The Accutron Show. Accutron. It's not a timepiece. It's a conversation piece. With your host, Bill McCuddy, and contributors, Scott Alexander and David Graver. To put a lot of us in each book, we try to look out each millimeter and not just each page. The voice you heard at the top of the show was today's guest, founder of luxury publishing house Asseline, Prosper Asseline, here to talk about the future of books. Are we going to have them in 20 years? He'll tell us. But up first, me, Bill McCuddy, culture writer Scott Alexander, and editor David Graber discuss what's on our bookshelf and what's coming soon to it. Do any of us still even go to bookstores? All that and more on this episode of The Accutron Show. Stay tuned. Gentlemen, we have royalty coming in in just a few moments. This is the uh, the often hard to understand but worth it, uh, Prosper Asseline, who is very French and uh, runs an, uh, what seems to be an anomaly in this day and age, a very successful publishing company. Uh, that's uh, Publishing has been a hard dollar, but I think if you're going to go try and do it these days, you need to do it the way they're doing it. Go is there right. a hardbound version of Cool Hunting or you're just completely digital and we're always di- will be? We're digital only and always will be. Yeah, Are I you think and of- Prosper natural enemies? <laughs> <laughs> I think of somebody like Houdinki, which started out as completely digital and then decided to print something. And uh, I think Houdinki does a book with Asseline. I, I wouldn't be surprised because uh, Asseline has done books from uh, Barbies to Bentleys from Palm Beach to Capri, uh, it's it's got to be the dream job because they do luxury books, some of which are five and ten thousand dollars, many of which are two or three hundred dollars, and are sold in kind of boutiquey little stores uh, around this country and in London where they took over an old bank. Uh, and so we will learn a little bit about how he got into this business. I think there's a very good reason he's still in business. And I think these guys came along at a really key moment in publishing. They may not have realized it. They just did it, I think, out of love and out of uh, being a hobby. But they came along at a time when digital was about to upend the book industry. And they came out with books that could not be reproduced, you know, sufficiently in digital form. But the coffee table is only so big. And for all (laughs) intents and purposes, this is a company that's putting out coffee table books. How do you? How are they staying afloat? Kramer had the right idea: make the book that can become a coffee table, and then <laughs> that's. Well, they're the way staying to go. afloat. I think powered purely on love. They're they're a niche publisher. They're they're going. They're looking at these niche industries that people love. They're counting on the outsized passion of individuals inside these markets to power their company. And they take categories and go and find the 100 best cigars in the world, the 100 best bottles of wine in the world, 100 best. So the editorial is interesting. They're not just beautiful picture books, although they are that they're as well. They're for obsessives, though. <laughs> yeah, but and the, they're for obsessives. They're ah. for obsessives who can say, this is why I obsess. Look at these photos of these watches. Look at these pens. Do you see now? It's a way to explain, to bridge your obsessive, nerdy world right. to the regular person. It's a catalog a high gloss catalog to your nerdiness. That's right. (laughs) Um, Did you see the Bentley one? It comes in a a leather sleeve that has the quilted, the same Connolly leather, I'm assuming we'll ask him, uh, that that the cars come with. And it's like 1500 bucks. That's the other thing. Who's got 2,500 bucks to spend on a book? People who collect Bentleys? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> just toss it in the and glove box. Well, look at their categories. They're looking at watches. They're looking right. at cars. They're looking at pens. These are not... Spirits. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. These are categories that promote obsession. But I think the Aceline is a really interesting story and a big piece of what they've been able to do. I think it's interesting you brought up these uh, stores. They're very boutique-y. They very much have a feel when you walk into them. You're like, oh, man, I am in a place that is unlike any other. And I do think that other bookstores are able to do that to some degree. And the bookstores that are thriving now are more your mom and pop places where you feel like there's a personal touch. You're in a place. You're there for a reason. There was never a reason to be in Barnes & Noble or a reason to be in Borders you know, over any other. It felt big and generic. It feels like a big box store. Is there still a Barnes & Noble? There is. Still exists. Not far from here. Okay, good. (laughs) At least at the time we're recording this. But I go in there and I feel like I'm in a warehouse. I feel like I'm in a Costco. When you go into a bookstore, are you going to buy for yourself or are you going to buy a a book as a gift? 50-50. I still read a lot and I read entirely on paper. And you feel comfortable gifting a book? 100%. I I gift books a lot. Not only is it economical... (laughs) <laughs> but uh, there's there's certain books that I love, and I often will give – I'll give children's books that are particularly – I've given Charlotte's Web. But why don't you buy those online? Because I want the paper in my hand. Yeah. I think Asseline will tell us the same thing, that he's a very tactile guy. I tried. I tried to go Kindle. I tried to read in these things, and you can do it, and it's nice and light, but I've got a book in my bag right now for reading on the subway. Every time I get in the subway, I pull out a piece of paper book. I'm horrified. Thank you, Mr. Flintstone. Uh, you, are, you are a dinosaur, but I salute you. Um, David, what are you reading? Last book, what's on, your, what's on your bedside table? Do you know, you keep asking me questions that make me shiver to my loins. <laughs> I, I actually, I Never have many shiver friends loins. in the publishing industry, all of whom write um, young adult um, fantasy fiction. And yeah. so I do read all of their books. I am presently reading a fantasy fiction novel because a friend of mine wrote it. And do you collect books? Do you have a bookshelf at home that has a dedicated or a big, uh, I, I see what's the, the big thing now is like the oversized coffee table with two levels. It's often glass and it's filled right, with books on both levels. You see the lower level levels. through yeah. the top. But then you, if you, books on top, but you cover up the lower level. I <laughs> use books as decor throughout my apartment. And I have a bookshelf that's got about 600 books. Well, I think our guest would tell you that that's okay because he makes very pretty books, but he'd like you to open them every now and then. And I, we will ask him about <laughs> well, that. Well, books warm up a room. I mean, I have two kinds of decoration in my living room. One if is bookshelves. you book put them shelves. in the fireplace, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but one is bookshelves and the other is musical instruments. I have, a, I have a piano and I have a couple of guitars hanging on the wall and a bass hanging on the wall. And you walk into my house and you go, this guy... Likes books. And Lives likes in an music. eBay store. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but it's it. They're one of these things where I'm not going to display my watches on the walls, right? You know, I, I'll I will look at them, but they're not necessarily there to be museum pieces. But in a weird way, books are there for decor. Do you lend them? I books. Yeah, I do. I'm very free. Actually, there's certain books I buy multiple copies of. I'll buy six or seven copies of. Just so I can give them away. All right, you're I, a freak. David, do you up. lend? Do you uh, No, I don't you trust other people. When I really like something, I'd like to keep it to myself. You get sent <laughs> a lot too, though, right? I do. Yeah. I actually get sent many beautiful books that become Some from Esseline. Many, if not all. And Tashin, <laughs> I, I, we won't, I, I won't ask our guest, but for people who understand... Word. For people who understand luxury publishing, those are the two big ones. So Stalton. How would you say, how, do you, how would you say Esseline distinguishes themselves from the others? 
the search for different materials. It's not just paper you're getting with their books. I feel like that's definitely... I also feel like there's an accessibility with the subject matter that Asseline chooses. Tashin can be a little more esoteric. It's wonderful, but a little bit more esoteric. And, and there's a way you can just pick up almost any Asseline book and go, whoa, I see what was interesting about this. There's a Bentley book that I think will ask him uses real Connolly leather from the interiors of the cars and is, is stitched in the same diamond pattern. It's just mind-blowing, the detail that these guys go into. But it brings you in immediately. A, you know, a Tashin book has a different feel, maybe a little colder. You know, a little less tactile, but, you know, beautiful, gigantic often, you know. Listen, I'm just glad people are still doing this. It's like the old, a few craftsmen still care. It seems like this is dying out every place else. We mentioned the big box bookstores are all going away. And we talk all the time on this podcast about niche and how everything that we do is tailored to what we want. And Asseline certainly falls into that category. We will ask him uh, all about that and about the future of publishing right after this. The world runs on Accutron time. Accutron watches since 1960 from New York City to around the world. Gentlemen, if you've read a nice book, this man probably had something to do with it. Prosper Asseline, welcome to our little podcast here. We're very pleased to have you. But my first question for you is, are books going to still be around 20 years from now, 50 I, years from now? I promise you, yes. <laughs> uh, I am not sure about the iPhone, but I am sure about the books. <laughs> the, the book is here for something like a few thousand years, and uh, we are still believe on the Bible, on the Torah, on everything like the stone. It's something very, very, very strong. The iPhone have only 10 years. I have no idea what's going to happen in 20 years with the iPhone. No idea. But you think you'll still be publishing books then. For sure. and, and and you won't be alone. And that's the because that's what we've been talking I hope about. Not. There's a huge digital movement now to change uh put everything and and there's a digital component to Asseline as well. But you have to admit, you put out some very beautiful books that and you're sort of in your own world in that regard. When you talk about the digital, for us the digital help us to explain the book, but we don't do book on digital. We, we had this uh, possibility 10 years ago. People ask us to go on Amazon to make digital all of the book. To be, I, I absolutely hate the idea of that. I'm still publisher. I love the paper. I need to touch it. I need to smell it. And I will continue to believe on that for sure. So and there I'm are going no to... digital editions of Asylum books? Never. Wonderful. And never will be? No, never. Yeah. It's about the book. It's about touching and feel. Because you mentioned the iPhone. If you get a brand new iPhone today in yeah. 10 years, it is literally worthless. If you get a brand new Asseline book today, it is the same book in 10 years. It functions just as well. You know, I can tell you what I feel. Um, a book, 95% of its time is closed. It's part of your life. It's part of the memories you're going to have on this 5 or 6% of the time you open it. Mm -hmm. So it's not a question about uh, what's going to happen in 10 years with this book. Your memories is still your memories, and this book has to be part of your life. So it has to be, it's maybe horrible to say part of a decoration of your life, but it's exactly that. But 5 or 6% are going to be part of your memories, and this is super important. What are you doing to attract people to books? I make them sexy. 
How? I want to, I, I, it's very simple. You have to be. So I, I have a question. Uh, uh, people ask me, who is your competitor? So they ask me two or three other publishers, etc. I say, they are fantastic publishers. But my competitor is Macaron La Durée. And people ask me, why Macaron La Durée? I say, because it's, they are colorful. You want to go every day. You want to make them as a gift. They are sexy. So our book have to be sexy. If they are boring and made like 40 years ago, we are dead. It doesn't exist. So we need to smell what people want in the fashion today. What are the color where the trends? What are sensory. the texture? Yes, because you have to do books for the people today, not like five years ago. Who wants to buy the fashion from five years ago? Nobody. No. Hey, we were talking about the Bentley book. Is that real Connolly leather on the book oh, yes, that's the sure. same as yes, the interior yes, of the car? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. And, and I can tell you why, because uh, my first car when I was 20 was an old Jaguar, what nobody wants. It was an elephant Jaguar. It was huge. It's a MK10, I remember. And the only thing what I remember is not the form, it's not the car, it's the smell uh-huh. on this car who had at this time 40 years ago. It's the old car. The only things existing in this car was uh, this Connolly spirit. What Connolly next doesn't exist anymore as today, huh? as you know. Huh? The, 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 what exists today is just uh, the wax, you know, what they use a little bit, but the factory closed, uh, everything closed. What, what formed your aesthetic? What was, take us back to those Jaguar days. And when did you know that you wanted to be in the publishing business and that it, that it was at the level that you've achieved today? Maybe I use one word, what I want to use again, it's memories. Uh, I had the memories on the Jaguar because the smell of this uh, leather Connolly, what nobody knows, so bravo to know this Connolly uh, word. Uh, the memories, what is beautiful in a book, it's uh, what I was talking about uh, for this 5 6%. When you open the book, it's the memories. So the memories is very important. It's an idea. It's a, we, we do a book on Capri, what everybody knows Capri, but we try to put the DNA of the memories, you know? You cannot put a garbage of picture. You, you cannot put everything. So what what will be a book still the same with the same DNA in 10 years? So because you kept just the DNA. You've got a pretty good gig. You get to go to Capri, you get to drive Bentleys, no, you not, get no, to no, go. I'm, if you ask me to complain, I'm not complaining. <laughs> <laughs> but come... Take my job anytime you want, because I was at my office at seven o'clock. I will finish at one, <laughs> 1 a.m. today. And I was working all of this weekend. So anybody wants my keys, they are on my desk. <laughs> no, thanks. You seem to be doing the job no, very no, it's well. Fine. <laughs> Bill, you mentioned before about uh, what made you understand you wanted to be in book publishing. Where, how, where did that come from? Um... I begin very early in the business because I, I was uh, in working in a magazine, but I, I I didn't went really to school. At 16 years old, I went like intern in the art department in the magazine. So I was learning like in the kitchen to see how you make the sauce, how you cut the beef, mm-hmm. how you do the fish, where you keep it. So I, I was learning in the kitchen. So, but I, was, I had the chance to begin to have dreams that at 18 years old, I published my first magazine. So after I published a lot of magazines, I was working in the, in the, real, uh, in yeah. the real thing. So this was the magazine. One day, 
I begin to move my apartment and I realize something completely insane. I put all of the magazine in the garbage, but never the books. I get the books and I put the magazine in the garbage. It was really strange. So it stayed in my memories. And uh, one day we decided with my wife to do a book because we love a, a small hotel in south of France, La Colombe d'Or. I did the picture. She wrote the text. It was just for us because we had other business. Saint Paul de Vaud. Saint Paul de Vaud. That's right, right, right. Uh, La Colombe d'Or. Yeah. So I did the picture. She wrote the text. It was our first book. And uh, didn't Picasso eat there? Didn't they, yeah, yeah, they gave? Exactly, they traded out for the exactly food. That, right, it's right, exactly right. that. It was a small uh, grocery. In the 1930. And uh, so you fell in love with this place and you wanted to create a document of this? I was in love on this place and I wanted to do a book like, uh, like a movie, to, do, to tell us a story, to mix the past, uh, today. to preserve it. Yes, exactly. Oh, they didn't help. They, they didn't need me at all. Huh? We wanted to do it by ourselves because we, we was in love with the place. We understood the luxury of this place and we wanted to keep in one book the memories. So I come back to the same word. We wanted to keep these memories in one book. Your wife so has been a it. very big part of the company. No, she's 99%. I'm just a guest. <laughs> Where is she? Let's get her in here. Uh, she's the other 99%, my son. <laughs> uh, most exciting book you've worked on, in your opinion? Uh, the one that you said, I can't wait to do this. Seriously, I don't know. Yeah. Seriously, I don't know. I, I, I try to, uh, to put a lot of us in each book. Uh, we try to look out each millimeter and not just each page. Uh, so seriously, I think all of them have uh, the same attention. The uh, next one would maybe be the, the best answer. Maybe, you... but we, we are uh, publishing 60 books every year. Ah. Uh, so it's a lot. I, I think just this morning I was working on four or five different. Uh, so it's really, uh, maybe so, the one impressed me the most this last weeks. It's one what we just did for uh, Alula. Alula is a region in Saudi Arabia. Very well known now. They're going to have five museums, ten, I don't know what, everybody's talking about that. And we just did the book for the government. But the book, it's, uh, we, we did two editions and one edition, it's uh, 1.3 meter high on uh, two meter, uh, wait, it's unbelievable, it's 70 kilos. Talk about it, an artifact. And yeah. it's unbelievable. The quality That's is, two cocktail tables. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's really incredible because it's like you have a window completely open front of you and you can change a picture every day or every hour. And it's, uh, it's something. Is really that something that will be on sale to the public? It's going, but just few. How many? Because it's for the government. We did 40 for sale. It's $12,000. Okay. They are all sold out. Most of your books are limited runs, correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah. But this one is sold out and it's not in the market yet. Can you talk about the role of your brick and mortar store? What the, what the stores mean for Asseline? My apartment. 
is my second apartment. It's uh, uh, the store for us. It's uh, my private library. It's our library. I, I, I just don't want to sell books. Uh, you have books. When you have your ideal library, it's what? You have a good seat, a good carpet, a good smell, and uh, you want to, to be surrounded by books and vintage books and some object uh, around the books. So it could be a, a box, uh, an object, a sculpture. So all of our stores are made uh, exactly in, in the spirit of uh, to be a private library where you, everything is for sale. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like the unifying thing behind almost everything you do is a passion for a particular area of, of life. Yes. It's, the name of that is wrong business model. Uh, because it's a too much passion. Too much passion? So Can you have too much passion? I mean, isn't, yes. isn't this what drives your it, company? It, but yes, it's what we do, but it, it's hurting because it's a, a real business model have to be called because it's on the paper working. Uh, you take on the left, you take on the right. For us, it's passion, passion, and a little bit more of passion. I mean, it seems to be working. Yes, it's working because we put a lot of passion. Right. Is there anything that you find that across, because it goes across all these different domains, you're talking about Barbies over here and you're talking about Bentleys over here. Yes. Is, what's the, where's the commonality there? What it's, do you know? What, it's your eyes. Inject. My eyes now looking uh, a yellow cab and two minutes going to see a Bentley and after a beautiful girl and after somebody with a sneaker. This is life. So we are analyzing uh, what it could be in the memories in a book. So we try to smell what it could be interesting. We are not trendy. We are not too contemporary. We are uh, a lifestyle. So we don't want to be too sharp. So we cannot make something just on the, these sneakers because it's very sharp today. It's not for us. It's a combination, you say, of intellect and emotion. And we get the emotion. We definitely understand that, the passion. Uh, the intellect, there's a responsibility to actually tell a story and, and tell it intelligently. Uh, in the case of the Accutron book, we're taking something that was uh, very popular in the 70s and 60s and being reintroduced. And we're doing, uh, obviously, a deep dive into the book and, and trying to get people to understand what would what went into it. Uh, when you when you sit down to put together a book like the Accutron book, what are the things you consider? What do you look at? What it could be when it's going to be closed. Number one, and you see, what it looks it's like an when object. It's closed. Yeah, you, you you have it. You put it on your table, and it's not boring. You want to touch it. It's tactile. It's soft, and you understand the watch. So it's important. To, to, to begin with the form. And after, the most important here is uh, to explain, to educate the people who will have this book on the head. What is this brand? What is this watch? What was, why it was so big in, at, at this moment? But the most important is to have a door, a window open to the future. It's not about the past. So it's important to know how to mix the emotion the history, but most important, to open the window to the future. Before I let you go, where are there Asseline bookstores now uh, around the world? 
Uh, it's, we don't have so many, huh? but we have uh, four in New York, uh, in Los Angeles, in Palm Beach, beautiful one in Palm Beach. We have uh, our uh, flagship is in London. It's the old bank on Piccadilly. It's huge. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing place with a coffee, a restaurant, uh, uh, cabinet curiosity. It's really a fantastic place. And what color are the walls in all of those stores? Red. And and tell us the story. Like What's the, the backstory? Yeah, <laughs> you, you saw that red where? Uh, this red come in my memories. It was... Uh, uh, I spent so many time in Le Louvre because I, I live around. And so I, I spent times. You went times. there every week as a kid? Oh, always. It was really Le Louvre. Something very important in my life. Why? I don't know, but I love the painting, the sculpture. To be, I, I, I begin to understand fashion when I saw all of the painting of Goya. Because for me, it was a fashion painter. It's unbelievable. You saw the detail of the gloves, the, the dentelle. It's unbelievable. And... Uh, and you had uh, in the Louvre uh, one room absolutely unbelievable. It's completely red. And this red was like a, a wax. Uh, very interesting. So when we begin to do, uh, uh, to design the first uh, store, it was in Paris, Rue Bonaparte in Saint-Germain-des-Prés. We decided to make it red with this red exactly. So uh, he comes from that. Same color in your apartment? No. <laughs> I would be crazy. <laughs> Prosper Asseline, thank you for joining us Merci today. The book beaucoup. is uh, the Accutron so book much. and the stores are go and see them because it is an amazing sort of trip back into the past and into the future. Merci beaucoup. It's so nice to be with you. Thank you very much. Thank you. On behalf of Cool Hunting's David Graver and Bon Vivant Scott Alexander, I'm Bill McCuddy for the Accutron Show. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The Accutron Show. To hear all our shows, visit AccutronWatch.com. For upcoming guests as well as behind-the-scenes action, follow us on Instagram at AccutronWatch. From the 29th floor of the Empire State Building, until next time, Accutron time. Set your tuning forks.